So a lot of things to talk about, not just in the ring, but out of the ring with AEW and WWE and even something in NWA that we're going to talk about next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start things off with AEW Dynamite and the newsworthy episode that we supposedly were supposed to be getting. So Brian Alvarez said he felt something big was going to happen. Tony Khan tweeted that it was going to be a newsworthy episode. And I think what the speculation was something with the elite, but I think what made it newsworthy is the fact that Soraya confirms that she is in fact cleared to wrestle. And not only that, she will have her first match in five years at full gear against Britt Baker. What are your thoughts on the news here for Soraya getting back into the ring? Well, certainly great news, especially for AEW. I mean, they went out of their way to sign an individual who was a very prominent name, at least as far as women's professional wrestling is. I thought last night the segment she was in, definitely one of the better segments of the night. You could probably make an argument for the best segment of the night uh, as a, as you know, actual face-off. Some people say MJF's promo. This is very good for them. I think the women's division, you know, most people would agree that it's been lackluster for some time. Mm-hmm. Having somebody come in that has instant credibility and not just like somebody that is a name that had potential, but like somebody that is solidified and legit. A, right. top, st- a top star for the women's division to go against a, a homegrown top star in Britt Baker is exactly what they need to kind of rejuvenate the women's division and pump some juice back into it. They just need a rivalry, just like the men's division, just like any promotion. You just need a rivalry to build towards and on a weekend and week out basis to get people to watch every week. I want to see what Britt Baker and Soraya do each and every week. You need a good guy, you need a bad guy. And that's what we have here. We have the good guy in Soraya. We have the bad guy in Britt Baker. I know some people might want to flip that because of what was said during the promos and Soraya kind of using her resume that she had in WWE and some fans turning on her for it. But it's true what she did. I mean, outside of the Tokyo Dome thing, and she even admitted that she mentioned the wrong building that she she worked in. She never worked the Tokyo Dome, but still, nonetheless, she did all those things. And Britt Baker, to what you want to say, might be a little ungrateful for that. Now, I will say Soraya was also wrong in the fact that Britt Baker was kind of handed everything to her because the first year and a half of AEW, Britt Baker took a lot of losses and they might have pushed her as a baby face, but it wasn't until she turned heel that she really got to the pedestal of the queen of the women's division for AEW. She wasn't very good. She was somebody that came in with a lot of hype, somebody that a lot of people talked about her being one of the top performers in the women's division and one, her matches weren't good and she just didn't have that charisma like she has right now. I was actually nervous because Soraya, she hasn't, you know, really performed in front of a live crowd like that. No, not just wrestling, but just being face to face with somebody having that ability to go out there and cut that promo. I thought I was nervous that she would potentially fold under the pressure because her first time she did that. It wasn't very good. No. Um, but this back and forth, I was happy that she actually said the thing she said because I think this is exactly what what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. They need somebody to come in that already has a reputation, that's already solidified to challenge not just the wrestler in Britt Baker, but to match the intensity and the personality that she brings because that's what's been missing in so many feuds that Britt Baker's been in. There's a lot of good, talented women 
but you really haven't had somebody who's had that personality, and we haven't necessarily seen the face-off between somebody like Jade and Britt Baker just yet. So Soraya coming in with the pedigree that she has, being able to go back and forth and really use that pedigree to kind of explain that she is at Britt's level or maybe beyond Britt's level, I think this is exactly what needed to happen. I, I totally agree, but it wasn't the only thing that we heard about that is going to happen at Full Gear. In fact, all this stuff between the Elite and CM Punk and when they're coming back and whatever the case may be, we've seen these video packages of seeing the Elite being erased from AEW history, but the latest video package on Dynamite this week showed a lot of graphics that lead to the Prudential Center to full gear as if it was a tease that the elite will be returning to AEW at full gear. But we also, not only that got a first public appearance of CM Punk since the all out brawl doing commentary for a mixed martial arts event that is circulating all over Twitter right now. So Ralph, the, the light is at the end of the tunnel with this damn thing. We're definitely seeing the elite come back to AEW and with this, you know, commentary spot with CM Punk. Maybe he is done with wrestling and going to try doing the commentary thing full time. Who knows? But the lights at the end of the tunnel. Finally, I'm glad this is the end of it, or at least it seems like this is going to be the end of it. You know, and I said, I don't think we're going to get the full story to come out, which is kind of unfortunate because uh, I, I want to hear Punk's side of it because I feel like a lot of what we gotten has been pro elite feedback, pro elite stories. Uh, a well, lot it of seems like every fingers. time there's a story from Punk's side, it changes where the young bucks kicked the door in, then they didn't kick the door in. Then it was they struck first, then no, they didn't strike first. Then it was the dog got attacked, therefore. CM Punk was able to fight back with no legal liability because of some weird doctrine in Illinois or something. It's been changing every time with Punk's side, whereas oh. the elite side seems to be consistent throughout the entire thing with whatever report comes out on their side. They're the only ones that have a voice. They're the only ones that have a say in this, I feel like, because if you look at this at face value, you've got how many of them and supposedly one of Punk, who's essentially, we, we don't know what his... His side, Punk's side of the story, I mean, who who really knows what to believe? Because when you think about this, the whole reason that he, well, part of the reason he got so upset was because there were stories being circulated that weren't true about him potentially holding back Colt Cabana. I don't want to say I pick sides on this whole thing because one, again, I don't really know what happened in the whole thing. I would like to know just so we can kind of say, okay, well, one side or the other messed up. This is unfortunate. I think it got weight blown pretty far out of proportion if anything in my opinion the bucks are evps punks a wrestler i like they got into a fist fight and, and this has gone on for two months the investigations i mean i gotta feel like this happens at practice at least once a week on football teams maybe i'm wrong in the nfl but they got in a fight <laughs> maybe somebody got punched in the face that's not the first time anybody's been punched in the face at pro wrestling and i know what you're gonna say because you've said it before this is a professional company. You can't be fine. Yeah, but this is wrestling. It's not freaking. They don't work at IBM. They don't work at Apple. They're not going in the conference room and rolling around. For Christ's sake, they had money in the bank on Vince McMahon's desk. And I know that wasn't actually a shoot fight, but come on. What are we talking about here? Investigations. This is kind of. In the, I, so where I'm going with this is here. I didn't want to pick sides, but last week's little stunt with Colt Cabana. The goofiness that he presents in his just sheer appearance when he comes out, 
if that's not an F you to, if this isn't some elaborate work, how else do you take that as an F you to CM Punk? If it is, it's just, in my mind, further enforces the fact that I don't know if Tony Khan is effectively running that place the way it should be run because he sat there next to Punk the entire time while he ripped everybody to shreds and didn't stop him, didn't do anything to interject, didn't do anything to pull his attention away from whatever he was doing, allowed him to eat cupcakes and shit all over everybody. And that's on Punk. I don't think that was the right decision to do that. And then he goes and brings back Colt Cabana as essential. What seems to be an F you. Most people would think, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it was an F you to Punk? I certainly do. Is that how, and, and here's the thing. This is the twist in all of this because the IWC killed WWE for going out of their way to denounce the actions of Sasha Banks and Naomi and saying how petty it was. And it was. But if you are not going to put this up on that same level and criticize AEW for that, just as a, as, as a spectator of the actions that led to that, then shame on you because you're a hypocrite. And I'll tell you the first, firsthand that you're a hypocrite for not calling him out for it. Little Tony Khan didn't do anything when Punk was right next to him shitting all over everybody. As sure as the day is fucking bright, he brings out Colt Cabana, slapping the face to Punk. I almost want Punk to leave and go main event WrestleMania now. Just to give the finger to AEW. Because that's the type of childish shit that turns me off of their product. I don't think CM Punk is going to WWE. That's not happening. And Don't you want to know? Do you want to know his side of it? I mean, every time, like I said, every time we hear this, what seems to be his side of the story, the story changes. So, Who's the, But who are we hearing this from? The, the same people that said he was holding out Colt Cabana? That's how this whole thing, a part, a part of the reason why this whole thing started. Fair point. How, on a weekly basis, the conversation we just had, I feel like something big is going to happen on Dynamite tonight. What was big about it? What was what was so big about last night? You don't think what, because you don't think Soraya's Clarence is a big news story in the wrestling community? I do, but I feel like that was all like that's that's not something to me that I was like, oh, my God, that's jaw dropping to me. That was almost expect. I would hope that if Tony Khan goes out of his way to sign somebody like Soraya. He's signing her knowing that she's going to be clear. That's great. I don't mean to diminish it as like something that's not important. It's, it's amazing. I'm happy for her. I've always been a big fan of Paige. But we throw around these lofty predictions and, oh, it's going to be a big night, a huge debut or this or that. And it's like, why are we putting so much stock in this crap? Every week, it's going to be a major this, a major that. Oh, my God, this guy's coming out. How many times is it a letdown? More times than it's not. The last time that it actually lived up to the expectation was what? Brian Danielson and Adam Cole? Yes, but that's also part of the promoter's job to kind of get people to watch. And do set. they do they overset themselves to fail at times? Yes, I will admit that. They kind of do it too much. And a lot of times they overhype and underdeliver. I'll definitely give you that. Can I say one thing before you go on to your point? Yes. The guy we're talking about is not an AW employee. Who are we so talking his about? Promo- well, who's the one that said that they, that last night he had a feeling it was going to be a big thing? Oh, Brian AW. Alvarez. But Tony Khan did tweet out that there was going to be a newsworthy episode of Dynamite last night. He did tweet that out. Okay. I, I, think I fell some, asleep, I think I fell asleep some- at 830 and woke up at midnight and watched it. So I don't know. There were some. I mean, I attention. think the Soraya thing is definitely newsworthy. That might be the only thing unless you want to say Samoa Joe turned on Wardlow. But that's neither here or there. I, I, but back to what I was saying, promoter's job is supposed to get people to watch the show, whatever. And they might 
overhype something and it under delivers. And what was one of the big things that we talked about earlier this year, where as soon as they announced it, I already said it was going to fail. As soon as they announced it, it was going to fail. Uh, the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Everyone and their mother knew no way is that the biggest match of WrestleMania's history. No way. It's no way bigger than Rock and Cena. No way is it bigger than Taker and Shawn Michaels. No way is it bigger than Andre and Hulk Hogan. No. And you could throw whatever numbers and money that they made or whatever and the biggest gate ever because they had to do it in two nights in a big football stadium as opposed to one night at the Pontiac Silverdome or whatever. Great. They did great. But the match did not deliver. And even if it was a great match, no way is it going to deliver as the biggest mania match of all time. They all do it. If you're going to criticize AEW for doing it, but not WWE, then you're a hypocrite. I do. I criticize WWE all of the time. I, I don't see WWE, WWE going either way nearly as often as we see from this one promotion all of the time, constantly hyping everything up as this big major. That, I'll agree it has not, it has not been that often, thankfully, because I think that they're starting to learn their lesson. Like number one, they're starting to run out of people to debut that could actually fit that moniker and saying as a, a major debut or a shocking this or that. Mm -hmm. I got no problem with a guy going out of his way to promote his show, but overstating whether it's WWE, AEW, ring of honor, whatever it is, just sometimes it's too much. No, I agree. But, to, to the original point of this with the elite and with CM Punk and all that stuff, are you leaning more towards work at this point or shoot? And we're done with Punk. He's leaving AEW, this appearance with the MMA commentary, which I know he's done in the past, but this is the first time he's done it in a while. And now he's doing it again. Now that we're seeing the elite coming back, we see Cole Cabana show up for the one-off. Is this CM Punk non-verbally saying, I'm done with AEW. I'm moving on from that. If it's, if this is all legit, like the, the fight, everything, it's all legitimate. It's not a work. You bring Colt Cabana back, knowing a guy like Punk who in the past has just had, he's not one to take things very lightly, I guess you could say. He's not right. somebody to sit back and just take shit. If mm -hmm. he's got something on his mind, he'll speak his mind. I don't foresee him going back after something like that. Like, even if they had conversations about working it out, I just feel like most people would probably agree like that was a major F you to CM Punk. I can't see any other reason why of all the people you could pick, you pick Colt Cabana. Knowing, For a morale booster. Guys well liked in the locker room. Uh, I, you could have picked anybody and that's the, your morale boost is Colt Cabana. Listen, he doesn't I have just, to be a main eventer to be a morale booster. He doesn't the have Yankee, to be a main eventer. I mean, it, we're both Yankee fans. One of the reasons they w got Josh Donaldson this year was to be that guy in the dugout to help them lead to success. And I know they didn't make it to the world series, but they still made it to the ALCS and had a 99 win season. And let me ask you this then. If you had uh Derek Jeter who didn't see eye to eye with Joe Torrey back in the day. And he said, Hey Jeter, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to put a rod in your spot tonight. He's going to play short for the next couple of games. You think that would go over well? No, but Joe Torrey has the final say because he's the manager. Doesn't matter what Derek Jeter says. No, I, I understand that, but it doesn't do good any good to kind of publicly shame some of your best players. And that's my whole point in this whole thing. Tony Khan sat there and let Punk 
say whatever the hell he wanted to say. Didn't cut him off, didn't do much of anything. And then four weeks later, however long, what has it been? Fucking three months. I don't even know at this point. Far We're too long. We're at three months now, yeah. Colt Cabana, morale boost, maybe for the back. Sure. At the sake of what? Pushing and alienating CM Punk, which I don't know. Maybe he was on the fence. Maybe he is gone. Maybe they already knew he was going to be gone. If he's gone, so what? It wouldn't even matter. But if he was on the fence or if he is even intending to stay, why? Why Why? Why poke the bear? I don't know. Could just be a plot point for when everybody comes back and we get CM Punk versus Kenny Omega at a huge match at AEW Revolution. Who knows? But a big match that's happening at AEW Full Gear, MJF versus John Moxley. And MJF has an amazing promo on Dynamite this week while he was interviewing for a podcast and he mentions in his promo that he is not cleared to travel or should not travel until full gear so that he could be 110% ready. Now that's the kayfabe reason, but perhaps the non kayfabe reason, the shoot reason is because he'll be filming a movie. Now for those that have seen on Twitter, Zach Efron is one of the Von Eriks. I think it's Kevin Von Erich in the Iron Claw movie, which is following the Von Eriks, but it has been announced this week that MJF will also be in this movie. So perhaps they wrote him off TV, wrote him off Dynamite for him to not travel so he can film this movie. And perhaps the war in 2024 is not AEW versus WWE, but AEW versus Hollywood. Is this a good move for MJF two weeks before his big match against John Moxley for the world championship. And is this the start of the same path that we saw the rock when he started doing the Scorpion King and then eventually left for Hollywood? I don't know if he's ever going to be as big as the rock or if he'll ever truly go to Hollywood and leave wrestling. But I do think this is good for his stock, whether he decides to stay with AEW or go to WWE. I mean, it obviously is going to give him leverage. You know, there's there's very few guys that are ahead of him, and he might, no, maybe nobody. I I, I mean, it, it's a short list. I mean, if you want to talk about in ring or character, whatever you want to say, I think maybe there's a short list of guys that may be ahead of of uh, MJF, and I don't think anybody's hotter than MJF right now in pro wrestling. So I think this is a good move by him, mostly for his career. We'll see where it goes, but no, I I think this is smart in his part. No, it definitely is, but I think this is a an interesting move in today's wrestling because it seemed like anybody that wanted to make that transition from wrestling to, to Hollywood, you had to go to WWE to do it. I mean, Piper did it. The rock did it. Stone cold, Batista, Cena, they all did it, but they all went through WWE first MJF doing it while only being an AEW that goes to show, and this could be a bargaining chip for future free agents or independent wrestlers that think, Oh, I can only be a mainstream superstar by going to WWE. If MJF becomes the first real mainstream pro wrestler outside of WWE, that's going to be great for a bargaining chip for Tony Khan and AEW to recruit some of those guys that now we know. Triple H and Tony Khan have the same or the similar profiles and what they look for in wrestlers that they want to sign. Yeah. Listen, you don't need to go to WWE with their billion dollar corporation to get to Hollywood and make a name for yourself. We could do it here too. look at MJF at 26 years old. He's in a Hollywood movie with Zac Efron. 
you know? So I, I think this actually is a huge, huge move. And if that movie ends up doing well in the box office, which I don't know. I mean, Zach Efron, that's a name that could sell tickets. But with with it being a pro wrestling movie, let's face it, it's still kind of a niche audience. Did you notice one of the big names in AEW was not on Dynamite this week, Ralph? Riho? No, not Riho. It's a, it's a male Emi wrestler. Sakura? No, a male wrestler, Ralph. One that's from North America. I would say Wardlow, but he it was like... He was there this finally, week. Yeah, I know. They finally dusted him off and brought him out to play. Ricky Starks. No, it was not Ricky Starks. I'm sorry. I would have guessed Jeff Jarrett, but he was there too. He so was there too. Why don't you tell me? Chris Jericho wasn't there. Chris Jericho was not on AEW Dynamite this week. And kind of interesting because he didn't play off getting injured anytime soon. And I don't think he's doing anything with Fozzie. But for those that weren't watching AEW Dynamite, on Wednesday night, they might have been watching a show called The Masked Singer. One of the contestants was a dragon dressed as a bride. And as soon as you hear the voice sing, you're like, wait a minute, that's Chris Jericho. Why Why is he doing The Masked Singer on Fox, which is a partner of WWE, when he's in AEW as the Ring of Honor champion? Something a little odd here. We can't find out if he's revealed as this bride because he ended up winning this week. So that means... He's going on to the next round, which means he may not even be there next week in the go-home show in Bridgeport for AEW Full Gear. Kind of bad timing here, but do you think Jericho doing the Masked Singer will help AEW in their audience? It'll get them more exposure, but I really I don't think it's going to translate to much of it. See, the, the thing is, when he gets revealed, they're probably going to announce him as former WWE superstar, rock singer, podcaster, something like that. Hey, he's an AEW wrestler. Or they might just say pro wrestler. They're not going to say AEW. And I doubt they're going to mention AEW on Fox. Because it's on because Fox. Fox is, yeah. That'd be stupid of them to do that. But then again, you also have to see which which judges will actually guess Chris Jericho because this week, none of them did. Ken Jung wasn't there this week, which was very odd. I don't know why he wasn't there. But Ken Jung is a wrestling fan. He's been on Raw when Chris Jericho was still in WWE. And Joel McHale, I think, was the guest judge. And I'm pretty sure he has ties to WWE, too. So you would think they either one of them would guess Chris Jericho. But none of them did so far. In fact, I think Nicole Scherzinger guessed David Coverdale, the lead singer of Whitesnake, because Jericho did a fake, or at least... The person we think is Chris Jericho did a fake British accent. So that threw her off because David Coverdale is British. And but anybody who's listened to Whitesnake knows and watched this clip from the mass singer knows that's not David Coverdale. Sorry, Jericho. I mean, you might have won this week if that is, in fact, you, the bride. But you're not David Coverdale. David Coverdale is one of the best rock singers of all time. You're not up there, dude. I'm sorry. But somehow won because he beat George Clinton of the Parliament Funkadelic and George Foreman. So, but with this win on the Masked Singer, if it is in fact him, does that mean he's no longer the Ocho, but now the Nueve? If he wins the Masked Singer? Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch the Masked Singer. So, I, I mean, I've seen it a couple times. I, you missed the joke, didn't you? You missed the joke. <laughs> Well, no, I know you're saying if he wins another championship. <laughs> At this point, I it probably just make up another, some obscure nickname for himself. 
the right. violent vocalist or some weird crap like that. I don't know. Maybe you just... see he's Painmaker. He's trying to what is he trying to make a movie out of that or a Netflix series? Is he really? Yes, I read that, that today. That might be interesting. I think I might for who I don't know if there's an audience for a uh, uh, nearly sixty year old uh, pro wrestler turned what like slasher. Well, he know. might not be a pro wrestler turned slasher, but they might just use like what the gimmick of the paymaker is supposed to be to make a thriller out of it. I mean, you're the horror fan. Will come back. You're the horror slasher fan. You watched all those Halloween and nightmare on Elm street movies. I I'm not a fan of any of them, but Jericho was in the new terrifier movie. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Art, the clown, the latest okay. and greatest horror installment. Sure. I'm still trying to figure out how many Chuckies there are. Uh, I couldn't tell you that five, six. <laughs> I think there's six now, plus the series. But all right, so Jericho is part of AEW Full Gear next Saturday. Whether or not he's still going to be on the mass Singer, if, even if he is this bride or not. So I wanted to do a little bit of a game with you, Ralph, because falling back from last week, we talked about Eric Bischoff's comment that AEW doesn't do stories. Sometimes they just do excuses for matches. So there's eight matches announced for AEW's Full Gear. And that is, I'll name the match. You say whether there's a story to the match or it's an excuse to make the match. Okay, here we go. And I'll, I'll play along too. The first match is Sting and Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. I'm sure some people could make the case that there's a story there and there is a little bit, but I'm going to go with excuse. Jeff Jarrett was just brought in. It's been a couple of weeks. They're going to proud. They're putting this match together essentially on three weeks build excuse. I think the build's been a little bit longer because Darby and Jay have been kind of going back and forth for a while now. And most of the stories been kind of told just by matches, but they've also done some backstage stuff. Not so much like, actual in-ring promo stuff outside of what Jeff Jarrett's done the last couple of weeks. So I actually think this actually has a story to it and is not just an excuse to put a match on the card. Next match, Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus in a steel cage match, which is announced on Rampage this week. I'm going to say excuse. It started out as a story. It started out as Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, and it got Luchasaurus involved in it. Obviously, Christian Cage unfortunately got hurt, and they had to deviate away from the main focal point of the story, especially this going into now what is a cage match. I mean, I don't know. This has been going on for so long now. Now we're at the point where they're going to have a cage match. I feel like they're just trying to throw that stipulation in for the sake of having a match that's like, okay, wow, it's a cage match. There's a story, but I think there's more of an excuse to just get Jungle Boy on the pay-per-view. I mean, I guess the unfortunate timing of Christian Cage's injury kind of derailed this whole story because it really should have been Jungle Boy beat Christian Cage all out had his big moment as finally giving him that babyface push. And then the match was what, 19 seconds or something like that because Luchasaurus mm. attacks Jungle Boy. And there really hasn't been much follow-up since All Out. And yes, we saw Jungle Boy cost Luchasaurus the All-Atlantic Championship. Yes, we see on Rampage that Jungle Boy wants to face Luchasaurus in a steel cage match. But I think I agree with you here. I think this is an excuse to try to keep the story going. But there hasn't been much of a story there, I'll admit, from All Out. And some people might disagree with me on that. But next match, Soraya versus Britt Baker. There's a story there. Very good story. 
absolutely. There's definitely a story there. I I would say if you're going to say if you know using Bischoff's analogy in the quote an A B C D storyline or whatever, you can make the case that Britt Baker and Soraya might be in that conversation as the C storyline or or the D storyline, but maybe even make a case as the B storyline because we know what the yeah. A storyline is. Week in and week out, Britt Baker and Soraya have been a focal point on AEW Dynamite and a focal point in the women's division. So I will give you that. That is definitely a story. Next up, the Ring of Honor Championship, Fatal 4-Way, the Bride, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli. There's a story. What's the Um, story? The characters have been the same. I mean, there's movies that have characters that, you know, follow some type of storyline. It doesn't mean the story's good. I think this has been horrendous for the most part, but there's still a story there. I mean, it started with Claudio and Jericho. Jericho's kind of been parading around with the Ring of Honor Championship. Brian Danielson and Jericho have some type of tension. They've had their matches. Sammy Guevara and Danielson. I mean, I don't know. They're all former Ring of Honor guys, except Sammy. No, Sammy's not been in Ring of Honor. This used to be a story because the story was, the story was Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society, the whole pro wrestler versus sports entertainer thing. And then it was Daniel Garcia, this conflicted guy. Is he going to stay with Jericho? Is he going to join forces with Brian Danielson? And then you had the Wheeler Yuta effect here. And then Daniel Garcia joins back with Jericho Appreciation Society. And then we've just been getting repetitive match after repetitive match of some combination of Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club. This has gotten super repetitive where if it was the other company in North America that everybody loves, you know they'd be shitting on this for being repetitive and 50-50 booking and all that other crap, which I know it's not 50-50 booking because Brian Danielson beat Sammy Guevara in both matches, but I'm not, I think this is an excuse. This is an excuse to get Danielson on the card, Claudio on the card, Jericho on the card. Why is Sammy in this match? Why? It should have been Daniel Garcia because that's where the story was. And now because Garcia joined back with Jericho's Appreciation Society, they've completely left him in the back burner. He is no longer the focal point in this storyline. I'm saying it's an excuse. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just saying it's a story. It's just a bad one. (laughs) Next up, AEW TBS Championship, Jade Cardgill versus Nyla Rose. Excuse. No, there's a story there. Oh, come on, man. There's a just stole the bell and she's pretending to be the champion. Yes, that's a story. I mean, I wish it was actually told a little bit better. But yes, there is a story there. There's absolutely a story there. Not going to get the nod of a story on this one. This is the laziest of storylines thrown together for the sake of, again, getting these two involved in some type of disagreement to put them on the pay-per-view. Not going to get a vote of confidence on that one for me. All right. All right. Next up, the AEW Women's Championship, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Now, I should say interim women's championship, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. I think this one, it's kind of a story because the story is really Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. And Tony Storm just happens to be a part of it because they need a baby face for this match before Jamie Hayter turns on Britt Baker. And while Britt Baker is focused on Soraya. So it's kind of like an interweaving story with what's going on with Britt and Zaraya. So I am going to say it is a story, but I could see how people could say it's an excuse because Tony Storm's not really 
involved in the actual story that's being told. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this isn't the focal point of the story. I think it's just like the subplot of like the bigger picture of it. But I'm going to say that this is a story here. Next up for the AEW tag team titles, the acclaimed versus swerve in our glory story. Yep. They've had a rivalry. They've been building that up week by week. And you also have the story within a story of what's going on with Swerve and Keith Lee, because it seems like Keith Lee has that guilty conscience of, you know, he wants to do everything, you know, straight and narrow and wants to go by the book and sneaky Swerve there has to do things heelishly. And, you know, eventually they're going to turn on each other. So how's that going to happen? And probably it's going to happen at full gear where Keith Lee turns on Swerve and the acclaim retain the AEW tag team championships and of course the main event mjf john moxley story or excuse excuse no this is the one story that's been knocking out of the park knocking it out of the park i would say week by story yeah if if you were to pick an a story for aew right now it is mjf and john moxley and this you know this conflicted mjf Does he want to be bad to get to where he needs to be? Can he do it by following the rules? All this, you know, it seems like every time he meets his heroes, he gets slighted and has a chip on his shoulder or whatever, and it doesn't turn out in his favor. This is a big match for MJF where it seems like no matter what, the spotlight gets taken from him, as he mentioned in his promo this past week. So, yes, I will definitely say story. Absolutely story. But let's talk about something that's, Very interesting that happened this week in WWE. So we've been speculating for a while when this cash in was going to happen. We knew it had to, you would think it would happen after Roman Reigns lost the, the undisputed WWE universal championship because no way is Roman losing to a cash in. Turns out, Austin Theory is not going to win the championship with a cash in either because he cashed in this past Monday on Monday Night Raw during an open challenge for the United States Championship and lost. I put a poll up here, Ralph, on our community page, and I asked, was this the worst booking decision Triple H has made since taking over creative? And 70% of people voted, yes, it was. Do you agree with the 70% saying this was the worst booking decision by Triple H since he's taken over creative? of Austin Theory failing the Money in the Bank cash-in. I do. Uh, The reason I think that is because I don't think at its core this is a bad idea or a bad concept. I just think they needed more time to establish that title. I think they needed to establish the legitimacy of the title reign. Like, if they were going to do that, Seth Rollins, like, he's saying that it's the top title, but most people still consider that title to be a a, a mid-level title. Like, it is not the equivalent of... Roman Reigns' title, and you know why would you cash in on 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 Seth if you can't if you when you can just go and cash in on Roman? So I I don't think at its core it's a bad concept or a bad idea. I just think that they rushed it. I think they could have certainly added layers to it. Like maybe they could have set it up week by week where he's talking about how he's just obsessed with winning a title or something like just obsessed with the fact that he's got to prove himself after losing so many matches in a row. There could be other things going on that we don't know about. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he is causing backstage issues. Those things you never really know about. Maybe he's and not maybe... the guy that tripped uh, Vince McMahon. 
saw him as that Triple H. See, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think lesser men have been champions and cashed in successfully. I don't see anything about theory that makes me say he can't be a top guy. I don't know if he can be a, an, a breakout star, but when you compare him to some guys that held that title and what he's doing now, he's had more charisma and he's a better wrestler than some of them. I don't know. Something's something's off with that. Maybe it's just a hard reset. I don't think it's the worst decision Triple H has done since he started taking over creative. I think the stuff that's been going on with damage control has been worse. And there's back and forth of, you know, they Dakota Kai and EO Sky lose the women's titles. Then they win them two weeks later. Then they lose them again, and then they win them back a week later. And this, like, 50-50 booking of what's going on between Damage Control and Bianca and Alexa Bliss and Asuka. You have Bianca Belair beating, essentially, all three members of Damage Control in a ladder match. Then Bianca Belair beats Bailey in a last woman standing match. And now we expect Damage Control to at least do something in war games to beat Bianca Belair. That yeah. has been worse, I think. I, I honestly, like, I like Bailey. I like EO Sky, Dakota Kai, Alexa, and Oz. Like every woman involved in this storyline. But this story, it's not even a story. This, like, if Bischoff has to point out AEW for their excuses, this is an excuse. This is just, we need to get these six women on TV, and here's how we're going to do it. There's no story to it. It's absolutely 50 50 booking that Vince McMahon was known for constantly the last few years. It's been terrible. And I understand, yeah, the Bianca part isn't the 50-50 booking. It's more Alexa, Asuka, Dakota, and EO. I get that part, but I it's just ridiculous. It's not good. And honestly, I understand why people think what happened with Theory was a bad booking decision. But what it did was, one, it established the U.S. title as the top title on Monday Night Raw, which the top guy on Monday Night Raw currently holds. In Seth Rollins. And the guy before that, you could make an argument, is one of the top guys in Bobby Lashley. That title has some prestige for a while now. It's kind of flown under the radar because of what's going on with Roman Reigns. You know, that United States Championship is a pretty, pretty protected title right now. And as I've said, since they unified the titles and everyone's like, it's a bad idea. If you have one heavyweight champion, one tag team champion, one women's champion that all go on both brands and then you have the two tv titles the u.s and the intercontinental titles defended each and every week it's going to work and that's basically what they're doing right now gunther is having tons of defenses on television seth was did the open challenge lashley had a few tv defenses that's not the problem the problem is roman's not on raw nearly enough as he needs to be. And that's why people think there still needs to be two separate titles. No, there doesn't. Roman just needs to show up on Raw more or they put the belt on someone that's willing to go on both shows. Because you even see the Usos go on Raw plenty of times. Roman just never goes on Raw except for when it's like the go home to a pay-per-view. That's usually when he shows up or it's at a big venue like Madison Square Garden. But he's never going to Raw. And that's what's hurting this one champion situation. I don't know if that hurts it. I mean, I think if anything, I think having just that U.S. title as the main focal point, I mean, what would that do? If Roman shows up, it just, again, it kind of shows that there's 
a more prestigious title than whatever other one's being defended. I think that Seth should start calling him out. And who knows? He might start doing that. We don't know. We absolutely don't know. But one title that we know, thank God, we're never seeing it again, is the 24-7 championship. Nikki Cross wins it on Monday Night Raw against Dana Brooke. And then in the back, she's got this like dazed look in her eyes as she's walking across and tries to throw it in the garbage, but completely misses the trash. But we find out the next day, the 24-7 championship is actually removed from WWE's website. So it seems like that title is retired. Thank God it's over. But does this mean perhaps they got rid of the 24-7 title to bring in a women's mid-card title? I don't think they need it. I don't think they I don't think the timing is right right now because they've had, I mean, look, Charlotte's out. Naomi, we don't know about. Sasha, we don't know about. Bailey's kind of treading water, it would seem, on Raw. Who's gonna who's gonna carry that title? Nikki Cross. Yeah. They replace the 24-7 title with whatever mid-card title it's gonna be. Uh I'm not too keen on that. We've already seen what too many titles can do in AEW. I don't know if adding titles is the right thing. I think compelling storylines is how you fix everything. I I agree. But when you have titles, it kind of helps establish stories because the the story is I want to go for that title. And, you know, and if you have a new title and people want to get that title and maybe, I don't know, merge the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. That would be, you know, addition by subtraction. And then you have this new mid-card title that women could go after. I don't know. I, I think that's that's the way they should go. We talk about what happened on Raw, but on the SmackDown side of things, talk about Roman Reigns. He defends successfully the WWE Universal Championship against Logan Paul at Crown Jewel. A lot of people praising this match. I think it was at least the best wrestling match we've ever seen with a celebrity involved. I think we could, yeah. I think most wrestling fans would agree with that. And I saw a lot of people bringing up the fact that Logan Paul should be considered for rookie of the year. And it's amazing how he's picked up the sport so quickly, you know, props to Shawn Michaels for training him and props to Roman Reigns for making him look as damn good as he did. So we have to ask the question, guess, because wrestling fans have to be cynical and pessimistic, but, did this match expose Roman too much with Logan looking that good? Here's why this is comical. Because anybody who's been paying attention to the story and title reign of Roman Reigns know that at heart, he is a vulnerable champion. He always has been. He's always cheated to win. He's always been a guy that had to get help to win matches. So whether it's Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, whoever it may be, I mean, all of his title matches, except for maybe what Biggie, he has cheated. He had to go There's to other, some nefarious I think, means. I, I think he beat Cesaro clean. I know he beat Brian Danielson clean. Okay, well, would you agree that there are a majority of his matches in general? He's had to go to great lengths to make sure that he maintains yes, that championship. Absolutely, that championship. yes, definitely. So, am I sh look? Do I like the idea of a guy like Logan Paul coming in and making it a competitive match against the guy? Look, I, I, can, I, I will side on that argument and say that I get why people are upset by that. And I've been critical of things like that. The thing I always say about it is I don't have a problem with it if you're going to do something with that guy after. The unfortunate thing for Logan Paul is he's hurt now, so we don't know what the immediate future holds for him. Well, I would think that they'd be dumb not to capitalize on that. He can obviously wrestle. 
if he decides to make a career out of this, even if for if it's for a couple of years, the guy's obviously good. The thing, you know, I, I was critical of when Allen Angels had that competitive match against Kenny Omega. Where is he? He's on impact right now. Why? So that was an example of let's just have a competitive match because eh, we know we can't. There was really no reason to do it. I, I will say this with Roman Reigns title run, a lot of these competitive matches that he has, he has the win and then there's no follow up with whoever it was he put over. And the biggest crime of that was was Kevin Owens, who all four times Kevin Owens lost through nefarious means and involvement with the Usos or whatever and never got a chance to actually lose the match clean. After four matches with Roman Reigns, Finn Balor losing that ridiculous Extreme Rules match with that dumbass finish, no follow-up. Seth Rollins winning by disqualification, which I will go to the grave and say that was a good finish despite what the fans booed at that night and despite what the IWC bitched about, despite the same kind of thing happening four days later on AEW Dynamite with MJF and CM Punk. MJF did heelish things to beat CM Punk. Roman Reigns did heelish things to retain his title. There was nothing wrong with either one of those finishes. The problem was they followed up with MJF. They didn't follow up with Seth Rollins. That was the problem. And that's kind of the issue that we've had with Roman Reigns booking as the champion. Other than Brock Lesnar, there's been no real follow-ups with his retentions against certain guys. And then you could also make the argument with Edge, too. Those are the only two, I would say, Brock and Edge, that there's been real follow-up. I'm not going to argue or disagree. I just don't, you know, and, and that those are all different, too, in the sense that those are all established guys, and Logan Paul certainly is not. But True. It's very clear that, you know, it, people, oh, is there a story there? Well, uh, there was always a story there. He obviously didn't take him very seriously. Right. Um, and not only that, but, you know, this happens in real sports. Uh, you have the young up and comer who, who comes and shocks the world. And it's not like he went out there, like, I don't know, like Lawrence Taylor, who was pretty much just, it it was a mockery, like him beating Bam Bam or did he, did he win or did he lose? Ralph, we were there. I was young. We were there, Ralph. Lawrence Taylor won. Yes. Yeah. So, and that match was actually pretty good, a lot better than it should have been, but yeah, I mean, no, it shouldn't have main evented WrestleMania, but it was still a, a decent match at the time where not many people outside yeah. of professional wrestling were wrestling in matches. So if a guy that's only wrestled three matches can go out there and put on a match like that, what does that say I, though? How can for, you get upset about it? What does that say for the, the guys that have been working so hard, whether they're in WWE or anywhere else that put in the, the time, the effort, working all these indie shows, trying to make it on TV. And then Logan Paul comes in because he was a YouTuber with his 30 million subscribers. And in his third match challenges the world champion in the main event of a show and shows them all up. Look, look, man, if I wanted to be the front man of a rock band or something like that, I couldn't do it because I can't sing. Some people have God given talent for whatever reason that kid's got God given talent. So, you know, there's just people are, Born to do things, and maybe he was born to be a pro wrestler. Who knows? He's always been an. They're both athletes. I think they get a bad rep because they were YouTubers or are YouTubers or whatever the case may be. Um, they continue to prove people wrong. How could what? What could you say negative about Logan? Okay, 
You could say you don't like him. You could say you don't like the fact that he's a YouTuber. Whatever the case may be, he can wrestle. I mean, it's not even a question anymore. It's not even like, it's not like a bad bunny situation where it's like, okay, well, he had some good spots. It's like, no, the dude legit just main evented a pay-per-view, not like it was some show on like AW Dark or, or, you know, main event where he went out there and had an ah match that guys were like, okay, well, he's pretty good. It's like, no, he went out there with one of the best wrestlers in the world in front of thousands of people and absolutely killed it. I haven't seen this question asked except for me on Twitter. I'm going to ask it to you. Has anybody picked up the entertainment known as pro wrestling faster than Logan Paul since Kurt Angle? When did he start training? And, you know, and again, it's like, you know, and I saw that and some people said hook. I don't think that's the same because this is not a guy that was got into the business because he wanted to wrestle and wanted to dedicate his life to wrestling. Like if he wasn't already famous, would he have chosen this path? Probably not. Nope. Probably not. He probably wouldn't have been given this opportunity to do it. No, I don't. I can't think of anybody other than Kurt Angle. No, I that's the debate on who made the quickest transition into pro wrestling, Kurt Angle or Logan Paul. And I don't know if Kurt Angle really got it after his third match like Logan did. But obviously, Kurt Angle is one of the best. He's number two in my he's number two on my list. So it's hard to I'm not putting Logan Paul at number two all time. But you definitely could say like, man. No one, I mean, everyone in the wrestling business says no one picked it up like Kurt Angle. Maybe 10, 15 years down the road, if, you know, Kurt, uh, Logan Paul comes back, does this and makes a career out of this, they might be saying no one's picked it up faster than Logan Paul. A guy that's been in the industry for a while, but never on the mainstream of AEW or WWE is Nick Aldis. He's carried the NWA flag for quite some time now. In fact, many would say, NWA probably wouldn't have exist now without Nick Aldis and his world heavyweight championship reign that lasted years, helped them get NWA power and make it somewhat relevant before the pandemic. But unfortunately that relationship is over. Nick Aldis is leaving NWA. Billy Corgan suspending him. Nick Aldis has bad things to say about NWA. It's going back and forth between the two, but Nick Aldis is leaving. Obviously, this had people going all over the internet talking, oh, he should go to WWE. Oh, he should go to AEW. And of course, I put it in the poll. Where should he end up going? And I believe the leading vote was AEW. But I also put in there impact as a possibility because not for nothing, Mickey James, his wife, is involved with impact wrestling. And it seems like the relationship between Mickey James and NWA was part of the reason why Nick Aldis is leaving NWA. So perhaps he goes with impact wrestling. So Ralph, I'll ask you, will he join WWE? Will he join AEW? Will he go to impact or is he just going to work the Indies? Well, before you say where he'll join, where do you think he's best fit for WWE? AEW? impact. Yeah. Oh, over, I don't, you don't think he, he can, be of value to WWE or AEW? I haven't followed his career all that closely. He does nothing for me, man. Had he wrestled during an era like when a Ric Flair was very popular, I think he would he'd be top guy then. I don't. I just don't think he... There's nothing that makes him stand out to me. I don't know. Maybe I just don't make the connection. I don't know. I just... Not the biggest fan. All right. I mean, I think uh, I definitely think there's value there. I don't know if he's a main eventer in either AEW or WWE, but I think he's a great heel. 
and definitely showed that with the strictly business faction in NWA before whatever the hell happened with the uh, pandemic and whatever. His match with Cody at All In was a decent match. I mean, they kind of had that weird spot where Cody was trying to blade himself and they needed to kill time because he couldn't get whatever it is to work. So I think there's value there. I think he probably would be better fit in WWE because he's more of a character guy than a in-ring guy. For those that think AEW is just this in-ring product and AEW or WWE is just this promo and character stuff when actually they are a lot similar than you want to believe. But I would say he would be better off in WWE. And I think Triple H, because he's such a Ric Flair fan, I think he sees a lot of Ric Flair in Nick Aldis and could actually push him a lot better than Tony Khan would in AEW. And I just think Impact is too small for a guy like Nick Aldis. I think if he goes to Impact, he'll be just like he was in NWA where he was a big fish in a small pond. I think in WWE, he'll be a decent Intercontinental Champion, U.S. title guy. Never the world champion, but with the right booking, you could kind of, you might consider the push because he does call himself the real world's champion, or at least he did at one point. Where does he end up going is a different question. I don't see him going to AEW at all. I Everybody goes to AEW, so I can't write that off. I know, but I don't, I don't see it, especially because Cody's not there anymore. If Cody was there, I say Nick Aldis is going there instantly. But now that Cody's in WWE, maybe he does end up going with Cody. Maybe he just goes to impact because he knows he could be the top guy in impact, but he won't be the top guy in WWE. And you also have to take into consideration. Bruce Pritchard is still with WWE. And we all know there's problems between Bruce Pritchard and Nick Aldis. So does Nick Aldis not go because Bruce Pritchard is still there. If I was to guess, I'd say W or impact. I would say, I would say WWE. I think WWE, but wouldn't be surprised if he ends up just an impact. But thanks for listening to this episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. If you liked what you heard and you're listening on either iTunes or Spotify, make sure you give us a five star review to help spread the word. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Mm-hmm.